What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Two Dudes of Sports News, episode 12. As always, my name is Garrett. I'm here with my co-host. What to do, what to do. This is Jalen Prince. So we got to start it off with a little bit of breaking news today. For starters, something that for some reason made a lot of people really upset. Julio Jones is a buccaneer. Jalen, I know oh. I saw you post something about that on Facebook a little earlier, but I'm, I'll let you. What do you think about this? Well, the news came out from Adam Schefter earlier today that that seven-time Pro Bowler, former Alabama um, Crimson Tide great Julio Jones, uh, is going to be uh, is going heading to Tampa to the uh, to the Buccaneers to play alongside Tom Brady. My takeaway is this: I will forever love Julio Jones. He's a he's a first ballot Hall of Fame. To me, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer without a doubt. People want to question his touchdown numbers. He was in an offense in which they didn't need him to be able to, they didn't need him to get scored. They just needed him to take over the game through yardage and getting him in the position. If he scores, he scores. If he didn't, so what? Got him there. My ultimate takeaway is this: He's going to play with Brady. I mean, that he's wing chasing. I mean, but also like I don't he's, at, he's earned the right to do it. Absolutely. Like when I you say can, that too, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like get your no, ring. It's like when you're in the NFL and we've heard this story after story from multitudes of former players. When you're in the NFL, you do all you can to make sure you get enough money to be able to provide for yourself. Right. As the years goes on, Julio takes right. care of oh, him, he's and fine. Fa- him and his family. He is fine with numerous endorsements, not to mention what he does as far as off the field stuff. He's good. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He got the numbers to do it. He's got the production to do it. He's going to get that. The thing to solidify him as far as where does he rank among some of the greatest receivers of all time, he got to get a rank. He's got to. And a lot those people that you mentioned earlier that are upset, majority of them are Falcons fans. We remind our audience that we are two Southern dudes. I'm from Georgia, you're from Florida, so basically we kind of understand the gist and the nature of Falcons, uh, of the whole Falcon Nation. Right. So, given along that, a lot of them are, are going to be upset. Some of them are not going to really care because a lot of them do not believe he's going to play a full 17 game. Which he hasn't in a while to I to don't believe it. he's going to play a full 17 game. There's going to be games where he's going to take off. But here's my thought. If anybody can make it work, Brady can make it work. He's proven it time and time again. We've seen what he did with Antonio Brown, and that was a hot mess later on. He did get him a Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. But you think, you think about what he did for Antonio Brown. Imagine what both Tom Brady's going to do for Julio and what Julio's going to do for Tom Brady. Now, albeit Tom Brady got Mike Evans and still got Chris Godwin. That wide receiver room is disgusting, and I want to touch on one thing too. You said you want to make or you make sure that these players, you know, you, they get their money right first. They make sure they're taken care of and after work. They're taken care of. You go ahead and cement your career. You do you do all that, but the ultimate goal is still to be able to get a championship. Julio, Julio Jones, Jones is a yeah. champion. He's a he's a winner by na- he's a winner by nature. Right. I pulled up his career earnings too to touch on that first bit. So career earnings based on salary and signing bonus, he's just shy of a hundred million dollars for a career earnings. He's good. That's not in, that's not counting endorsements. That's not counting anything. That's not counting investments. He's good. So now, championship part, cement your legacy. I get it. Do what you got to do, and you're going to do it with one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, if not the best quarterback to ever play the game. Albeit, he's a very boring quarterback to watch. But he gets it done. I can't fault him for that at all. And so, thing, to be honest, to be honest, Brady ain't that boring. I, he isn't. He isn't. It, his when, style, his style is kind of boring. He ain't the flashiest. But like to see him work and make things happen and oh, no, win it, yeah. games. I mean, you think about you go back to that second half. You go back to that second half comeback against the Rams in the divisional round. You just see. You just see greatness. You see him lead a drive, and you just see greatness. You could hate it. You could love it. You still got to appreciate it. because He's it, the Michelangelo great. of the two-minute drills in the fourth quarter comebacks. Like He is a, a absolute artist when it comes to doing everything he can and, to and, make the game win and read a defense, make the right plays. It's in, like I, I, I want to preface this. Nothing against the man. Respect his game. What? Up until the fourth quarter, 
it's kind of boring to watch if you don't know what to look for. It's a lot of, you know, short passes here and there. But if you're he not moves the ball downfield and you win the game. If you're not deep into football, then yeah, I can say it's boring. If you're a exactly. casual fan. If you're the Brady hater, yeah. But this yeah. is not about Brady, this is about Julio. Exactly. Here's my, here's my other thing. This is actually to me, I felt like this has been building up for years. Going back to going back to not the super not the Super Bowl that Atlanta blew a 28 uh 28 3 uh lead towards Brady. <laughs> but it's go don't want to throw shade, but I had to I had to throw no, I'll throw all of it. I don't think, care. That was that was hilarious. I'm gonna say that relationship is built up that foggy Sunday night game, the Super Bowl rematch with the Falcons and Patriots. Yep. I think it's been building up after that because if you listen to the Mike Duck portion of that game, Tom Brady told Julio, uh, meet me in the back of the locker room. I want to get that jersey signed. This was at the end of the game when the Patriots beat the Falcons. So I think that relationship is built up. Julio has, always, too. Julio has always been a hard worker, man. He's always been a hard worker. The one thing that you can question him on is this. His health and why would you go to Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill? That is about it. <laughs> He's making up for that mistake. You go from a Ryan to another Ryan. Now you're going to get a Brady. The only franchise I despise with every fiber of my being is the Tennessee Titans. Now I respect some of their players. The King. Of course. And a couple of the other guys on that team I completely respect. But I hate, 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 hate. And that, that's not only just the Jaguar in me. That's it's other stuff, too. I despise Jeff Fisher as a coach and a person. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. But, yeah, I don't understand why Julio will go to Tennessee. But I do understand why he go to Tampa. I mean, get your ring. Get, have your swan song. Brady, man. They're going to work together. It, this is going to me. Mike Evans is still going to get his. Chris Godwin is still going to oh, yeah. get his. Julio don't have to. And Julio gets what, gets what he gets. He's fine with that. Yeah, he's fine. He but, wants the ring. He's done everything else. But I really can't wait to see what him and what him and Tom Brady are gonna do because both of them are dogs. Both of them competitors. Both of them winners. Like it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to see. Tampa's gonna be fun to watch. And I cannot wait to see it. Tampa's gonna continue Even to be fun to watch us here. Now let's go into a little bit of. Uh, I guess I don't want to say what well, is bad news. I don't want to say. Uh, yeah, what what is called what is? Uh, John Mechie, uh, prayers up to you, man. You know, I mean, this is uh, for those who don't know, uh, Houston Texans wide receiver John Mechie the third, former Alabama wide receiver, has been diagnosed with acute. Oh, I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation. He, he, APL. <laughs> yep. APL. Fun reminder: We are uh, sports fans and graduates. Yep from colleges with sports degrees we are not, not medical degrees not we are not we doctors read the, we read what we see that's unfactual exactly but, yet, but by, by the grace of god it's a cure it is a curable cancer it is it the is most curable, curable form of this disease so, so he's going to be out here yep he, the prayers go out to him nick saban already came out with a statement on john mechie just pointing out just who he is as a person and I've actually had the privilege of meeting John Mechie in person when he got an when he got an NIL deal with one of the local Mediterranean restaurants on 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 Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa. And it's just been, it, it was a pleasure of it was a pleasure to meeting him. He's a very chill, laid back guy. Um, you just see the you just see the nature of you just you just you just love to be around that type of uh, type of person and. He, he's a really cool. He's a really cool dude. And my heart, and my like, my heart just sank when I heard about this. But um, I trust in God that he's going that he's going to pull through. He's going to make it through. He's going to recover. He's go, like we got like we got to look at him as the person, not as the athlete. And I'm hoping right. that the person gets his stuff right. That way we can see the athlete on the field. I agree. I mean, I, I wish him nothing but the best. I wish him a quick and speedy recovery. And he wouldn't be the first player to come back from uh, cancer and play another down. I believe James Conner went through something like that as well, and or how similar the situations Eric were. Barry. Yep, it's happened to quite a few people before. I don't know about quite a few, but it's happened to people before, so it is doable. 
And we, I'm really excited to see where his career goes after this. And I hope it goes in the right direction. Now let's take it to a bit of a different note, but still kind of on the similar page. Your Seahawks have been doing something right that I don't think too many people recognize. Per Ian Rappaport, uh, Chris Carson is retired from the NFL due to a neck injury. However, Seahawks will officially release him with a failed physical designation. Under the new CBA that allows Carson to receive several million in injury protection benefits, Seattle does right by him. And also does, and does right by them, where it doesn't knock, them, knock them under the cap. Correct. So it does right by everybody. On top of that, this isn't the first time this has happened. Chris Carson has also said that he won't make a retirement statement just in case his neck does get better. But currently, this is where it stands. And this isn't the first time Seattle's done this. They did it with Cliff Averill, Cam Chancellor, and apparently a few others just to make sure that they get their money with this new CBA agreement. Now, I think that's great. I think, you know, if they retire, you know, sometimes they don't always get everything left in the contract. But this way, again, to go back to what we touched on a a little bit earlier in the show, get your money right and make sure you are good. Now, you've given your body or the better part of your life for this game and now it's time for you to get a little back in return. So, unfortunately, he does have to retire, and he does retire with a severe neck injury. But he is now entitled to a good hefty chunk of money to make sure that he's really going off in the right direction into retirement. So, I mean, how do you feel about that, man? I feel for him on that one. He's He was a terrific back. Uh, he did make the top NFL Top 100 um, a couple of years ago. Dude had power. He had some speed on him. He was shifty. Um, and especially in the new offense that was coming in with um, Shane Waldron and the Shane mm-hmm. Waldron offense, it was going to year two. So there was a lot of put upside with both Chris and not to mention the way that Rashad Penny was going to play. We drafted Kenneth Walker um, out of Michigan State. It's a great so pick. I'm, pri- I'm proud of my Seahawks as far as doing right by both the man, the person. And doing and was and it was able to work out as an organization and as a business as well. You got a you got a rare win win situation. But I yeah. do feel for Chris Carson. He's had the neck injuries and a bunch of injuries along his career, and like it kind of, like you you don't see as much of a surprise as most people would. But you do pray for the man. And hope he's all right. Again, this is another situation where you got to think about the person rather than the player. And I and I'm hoping that he's gonna be okay as far as my Seahawks go. Look, just continue continue to get better, continue to just get better as a team and just get just make keep making right decisions, even though we got Pete Carroll at the helm of everything. Continue to try to make right decisions left and right. And we'll go we'll we'll just go from there. I already yeah, have my I mean, expectations on my team, so it is what it is. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, that goes back to something we've been talking about for a, a good chunk of this episode, and we touched on a couple times, too. You know, you got to think of not only the player, you think of them as a person. Like, the, these athletes are people. Yes, a lot of them are larger than life. They, you know, they do have this kind of almost untouchable, I guess, air about them, or at least some of them do. But – they are still people at the end of the day. So while you hate to see a retirement happen like this, it's nice to see that the agency that this agency, because this is a business, take care of him at the end of the day. And I get, I don't want to say thank him, but try to do right by him as best they can. So it's good to see. Um, Now let's keep it with contracts and things along those lines and money and stuff. Kyler Murray has now just signed a stupidly large deal with probably one of the most interesting language little bits in there that I think I've ever seen, and it makes me think a certain way. For those who don't know, Kyler Murray's contract is a massive $230 million contract, and the language in there uh, that is the most confusing part to me is the mandates of four hours of weekly film study. What it exactly says, and we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit later, um, Murray will need to study, quote, and per the ESPN article, I want to give uh, Josh Weinfuss credit. So per the ESPN article, Murray will need to study, quote, material provided to him by the club in order to prepare for the club's next upcoming game. He will receive credit for completing his film study according to the contract. However, the addendum states the time that Murray spends in mandatory meetings does not count. And then Murray also won't receive credit if he does not, quote, personally study the provided material in good faith. 
The addendum also states that Murray will not get credit if he is not studying or watching the material while it plays on his tablet or if he is doing something that can distract him or draw his attention elsewhere while the material is playing, such as playing video games, watching TV, or browsing the internet. Failure to meet this addendum's requirements will mean Murray will be deemed to be in default of his contract per the wording in the agreement. The addendum kicks in this season and lasts through 2028, which is when the Cardinals can pick up a club option. So that, to me... Uh, we'll break it down one more, or, uh, one little bit more. It's worth up to $230.5 million, which kind of goes into something we've talked about before, with about $105 million of it guaranteed at signing and $160 million guaranteed for injury. So he is taken care of. However, to me, that makes me think that Kyler Murray hasn't been studying film. Like, do you feel the same way? Like, that? like am I, I crazy? Watched, I was actually watching Undisputed. I watched a clip of Undisputed where they commented on it. Shannon Sharp um, mentioned and really reflected on a lot of things about Kyler Murray and what this meant to him. Talked about how guys back then, you think about guys like Brady, Manning, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, guys like that that are, uh, at, that are at the creme de la creme Prime had his own portable DVD player that he took. Prime, Prime, uh, it didn't matter what the position was. Like they studied. This was a job. You, this was it. This was it life. Still is, and it still is. And the fact that you had to put a clause in there that you got to study film all the time. Look, here's the thing. I do believe there's. There's a difference between going out into the and I want and we actually mentioned prom. I actually, I actually want to throw this out there. Go for it. Prom said like at his combine he didn't stretch when he ran the forty. So this is the one thing about not stretching and about to go race somebody you can get away with that. Yeah. But when you're playing in a league full of grown men, grown intelligent men in a profession where they got video film on you, on your tenant, read your tendencies, what you like to do, and you're not prepared, this is the ultimate study. You, you got a study guide. And you're not studying, you're not going to be able to finesse your way out of this. You will fail that test. Yeah, no, you're just so, going for average. And, yeah, you know, as, as the centerpiece of a franchise, do I don't want average. Can't I've, do that. No, this makes me think of Anthony Davis with that comment he made of like, oh, I haven't picked up a basketball since April. It's like, are you kidding me? Do you know how much money you are making to be the best at what you do I to mean, take this franchise to different levels, and you are not taking those steps? Let me ask you this. What do you think is more embarrassing? You get a million, you get a like a, a, a chunk of money, but in the contract of that money is – you have an agreement where you say you get this money, but you have to watch a certain amount of film or you have to maintain a certain weight. That's a great point. That's a really, really, really good point. Um, Yeah, I've actually never thought of that. I would say almost equally because it, it's the way I would look at that is it's it's almost I'm like in hot water for this. It's kind of the same thing. Like you have people giving Fournette crap because of how he showed up to training camp. Like, what was he, 270 or something like that? Give or take. Yeah, so I don't know exactly what the weight is, so I'm, I could be very far off. But it, it shows. And there's a uh, – I think Darius Butler had a quote on the Pat McAfee show where you could tell who put in the work in the offseason. You are not required to do anything in the offseason. You're not. But I would expect you – you know, as it, granted, I did not play football past high school. I didn't play any team sports outside of like, you know, club I stuff didn't outside either, of high but school. I was around it. I was around <laughs> exactly. a lot of guys that did it. So I'm with like, you. I you did too. Story, you hear stories, whether you want to take our word from it or not, and just ask somebody. Yeah, no, we've been both around it. But I mean, that's the thing with it too is like a as a teammate, if my guys showed up out of shape, isn't putting in the full effort or even during, like, and that's just off season, but that like the weight can change. But if day in and day out, you know, you are not doing you're, – you're just doing the bare minimum to make sure that we win the next game, I'm going to be pissed because now you've got every other person on this roster bending over backwards to make sure that we win the next game and you're just skating by like that. I uh, No, I'd be heated, man. Like I, Because the weight can change and the weight can fluctuate, but if you're not putting in the effort to just do the basics, that's going to be frustrating. And that's the key word is the effort. And yeah, look, it's, it's we, effort. Already, we already 
Kyler Murray is a top quarterback in this league. Is he top ten? No, not to me. But no. that's different. But like, not saying that he can't be. He can. This could be the difference. <laughs> this is, this might have been the difference. <laughs> been let's let, like let this sink in. And Shannon Sharpe mentions this mentions this early. Maybe it's not the offensive. Unlike with this coming out, maybe it's not the offensive line's fault why he got sacked so much. Maybe. It's not the offensive line's fault that he gotten hit so hard and kept having injury after injury around like mid mid portion of the season. So because watching film, and this is for a lot of the cat like casual fans out there, when you're watching film, it's like you're in school and you're studying for a test. There's an importance on that. You're learning details of your opponent and also details of yourself, what you can do. Because you never know when you're going to be in a situation where you're going to need the information that you was in a situation before until you until you had it. Right. And even when you can't find even when you haven't been there, you can watch film with somebody else that's actually been there and see how they handle it and what you would do. There's a lot of different scenarios. And with the game of sports, that film plays a part of it. But the but going back to what you said, it's the effort. Not saying Kyler Murray doesn't give effort, but it really does show how much commitment he has towards this, how much effort he's really putting into this game. It shows. It doesn't expose it, but it does show it. It gives you a, it gives you a clear vision of how you want to, or how you're going to see him coming from here on out. Exactly, and it, it now, makes you this can now this can be a positive. This can be a good thing because let's go back. We're going, we're going back to it like elementary school. In order for it to be able to get some kids to be able to act right, my mother would usually give incentives. You right. give like if you do this right, you do what you're supposed to do. Guess what? You get a piece of candy. You get something to drink. You get a snack. Incentives. You give it something right. that. Sometimes you got to do that as an adult. If you do, actually, you are doing that as an adult. You do what you're supposed to do. You come into work on time. You got your hours. You put it in the work. Guess what? You get your you get your paycheck and like maybe you get a bonus. I, yeah, I get bonuses on my job. Nobody's going to work for free. Goals. Yeah, no, like it, nobody's no. going to work for free. So the, the judgment, but you're a franchise quarterback, and this is being added. Two things can happen. You can look at this as a negative on him, or this could be a positive, saying like maybe this is going to be the extra added boost. For him to be able to push his mentality to go out there, look at the film, put in the extra work, and maybe it could be a step not only towards him, but maybe for the franchise. So I could look at this as a good thing for the Cardinals, but I'm Seahawks fan, so I really don't care. <laughs> Here's how I'm looking at it. So I, I honestly, I think it's both. I think it's a good thing for it, it could be a really good thing for Kyler because this could take that this could have been the missing link. This could have been the one missing piece on taking him to that next level and helping this franchise, you know, take the next step. Because when Kyler came in and when Kingsbury came in, they've consistently won more and more and more games. So they're in the right direction. But if the only thing holding them back was just more film study, so Kyler has a better understanding of the defense he's going to see that week, that's the only problem. That's an easy fix. This is going to be the greatest contract clause ever. And if it works, I think this happens more and more and more. So I think this could be really, really interesting and would almost be a precedent for contracts in the future if it works. So I think this is going to change a lot of things. I mean, it's the first – to go back to what we talked about earlier, it's the weight clause in certain contracts. That's a thing now. The first person to do that started something, and it's become a thing that isn't super common, but it does happen. So I feel like if this works – you're going to start seeing more of those film study clauses in people's contracts. And hey, it might, even, it might not even stop at film study. We already got clauses where they got to maintain a certain amount of weight. You get this money. You got to like be like, who who knows? Drew maybe Brees be, did a commercial. Hey, maybe it could be like, you must keep. No, no, that'd be controversial for mentioning. I got you. Here's oh. a good example. Drew Brees had it in his contract um, when he was with the Saints. He was he did a commercial a couple years ago where he, I don't know if he actually ever did the commercial with this. I remember reading this article years ago. He had in his contract where he couldn't ride a motorcycle for fear of potentially, you know, damaging his ability to continue to play. So he did a commercial for those weird tricycle things. You know, the one I'm talking about with the two wheels in the front and one in the back? You remember seeing yep. those? Yeah, so he did a commercial for those. And basically the commercial was, all right, he 
jokingly announced his retirement so he could drive one. So, but I'm sure there's other language like that in these contracts that said, well, I'm, I guarantee you it was in Roethlisberger's contract after his motorcycle accident. You can't ever do this again. There's so much that goes into these contracts that is incredible. We, we could do a whole other episode on contract language, but a, another great example, I was in Dr. Hannah, shout out to you, in the sports law class that we took. And I read Rick Patino's contract, the old Louisville coach. And he had it in his contract during this is during the, the Adidas scandal, where if any member of his staff messed up, it was on him and he could be fired. It was in the three separate times. So language like that is always put into these contracts. It's really interesting to see how some of the stuff goes in and the outcome when something inevitably does happen, because it's there for a reason. It's always there for a reason. It was in um Gerald McCoy. That's the old uh, Buccaneers lineman, right? Who went to Dallas? Yep. So Gerald McCoy had it in his contract with Dallas where if he hurt that knee that he hurt, his contract was void. It's insane. These little it, – it's, again, whole other episode before I get on this rabbit hole. But the language in contracts is – to me at least, it's so interesting to see these little tiny bits that people put in these contracts that can completely void tens of millions of dollars. Guaranteed money is a great example too. So, but that, again, contract talk is a whole other thing, and I might be the only person who finds it interesting. If y'all do find it interesting, quick plug here that'll also come at the end of the show. Tell us, we're on Facebook. Check it out, but we'll we'll get into that one later. Listen to the end. But yeah, I mean, I mean, before I go down another contract rabbit hole, that's where I stand. I think this is both good and bad. It makes Kyler look bad. It makes the franchise look good for trying to put a stop to this. But it also kind of, if I were his teammate, I'd be like, "Are you kidding me?" Well, let's keep it with the West Coast. And go to some San Francisco. I know your favorite team in the whole wide world, being a Seahawks fan, San Francisco. Uh, Trey Lance, per Shanahan, is the guy. So earlier this month, Garoppolo was allowed to um, request a trade. So they, he is actively looking. But Kyle Shanahan has come out and said that it's Trey Lance's time. So Trey Lance is now the starter in San Francisco. He says, quote, we had an awesome run with Jimmy. It was great. But when you bring in a salary cap and things like that, there are so many tough decisions that you have to make. And we made that decision a year ago when Trey Lance was drafted. And we got to here, and I was so happy with how Jimmy played last year that he took us almost to the Super Bowl. Guys around him played real, real well around him. That is a quote. Just reading it how it was said. But this is something that we did last year, knowing where we wanted to go with this franchise and how you balance out a salary cap, how you balance out a roster. And Jimmy gave Trey a year that I thought he needed just to get used to this league, get his feet wet a little bit. And then he said, you know, we've moved on to Trey. So Trey is the guy. Trey Lance is the guy in San Francisco. In the brief flashes he had in that offense last year, I think that San Francisco is going to be a fun team to watch. I think he brings a different energy to Jimmy G. And he also brings uh, health, <laughs> the ability to stay on the field. And I think San Francisco is going to be interesting. What about you, man? What do you think of all of this? We knew we knew we knew Trey Lance was gonna have the key sooner or later. It was gonna oh. be a year. So we oh, yeah. knew that we knew he was gonna be the guy. We saw bits and flashes of on like what he could do. Dude's a big guy, he could move, he could run. Uh bro got a good he got a strong arm, the potential is there. Uh he's surrounded by a lot of talent and a good defense. So I think the Niners are gonna nine nine is gonna be formidable. We're gonna be we're gonna be keeping our eyes on Trey Lance. But as far as the focus with the Niners, besides that, they really got to work on trying to sign Debo Samuel. But again, we'll talk we'll talk about that another time. But overall, I'm I'm interested to see what Trey Lance does. I hope he does well, not too well against my Seahawks, but I hope he does well. Yeah, man, it'll be really interesting. But I mean, that's pretty much it for football, at least for at the professional level. Let's keep it with professional sports. Get into the thing that I'm sure everybody's been wondering my opinion on. Celtics officially put in a trade offer for Kevin Durant that Brooklyn denied. Now, the breakdown of that deal was Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a draft pick for Kevin Durant. Now, the reason why Brooklyn apparently denied it, um, because they are asking for uh, any proposal from Boston to include Brown and Marcus Smart and draft picks and potentially one more rotational player. Now, I think that's too much. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that trade is stupid. I would not trade Jalen Brown, who I, I don't know if we, I don't know if anybody watched the same uh, NBA playoffs as I did. 
Uh, but Jalen Brown absolutely willed us through a multitude of those games. Derek White was a nice little plug-and-play kind of guy, and Marcus Smart is an absolute dog. So I I think, honestly, this might have just been a smokescreen to kind of drum up some more interest for Durant to see if Brooklyn can get some more stuff out of it. But I uh, I don't know. I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not happy with it. I'd be very, very uh, frustrated if we traded Jalen Brown, Derek White, and Marcus Smart or any combination of the three. My reaction to it is this. I doubt that we're going to see a Kevin Durant move during this offseason. I think it's going to happen during the preseason. That's my prediction unless, like, Kevin Durant changes his mind, which I doubt because I think – because, like, there's been a lot of reports uh, from whether it's Brian Windhorst, whether it's uh, – uh, whether it's Wold, Sham, guys in Kevin Durant's camp, the athletic – the at, I'm like, yeah, the – was it the athlete? I am athlete. Uh, the athlete, the athletic. The athletic uh, is the article I just read. That yeah, from. the athletic. Shams, yeah, actually. the athletic. So shout out to Shams. Yeah, so the athletic. There's a lot from that. My reaction is this: If Kevin Durant goes, to, if the Celtics get him, they're gonna. I'm not gonna say they're gonna win and win each. Super teams are starting to be redundant, and I'm actually right. happy about that because yeah. you look at the last two NBA champions. They've been homegrown, and like the last few NBA champions, they've been homebred, homebred, outside of the Lakers in the bubble. <laughs> but uh, like outside, but like, but outside of them, it's been home, it's been homebred. And you look at Kevin Durant go to the Celtics. Okay, you move Jalen Brown. Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant. You don't knock it, even though you say you don't want to let it go because of what he did within the player, what he did, what he did in the finals, and he did do really good. Some might, some said that he was better than uh, than Jason Tatum. He was. He was better and, in that series, right? I look at it a lot like this: if you have a chance to get a Kevin Durant, you get a Kevin Durant. Not at the sake that's of giving the franchise for the future, dog. If you have a chance to get a guy like that, you get him. It's a simple I'm gonna, effect. I'm gonna take so much heat for this. I I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it because you have. You're a not gonna take it much heat because like we understand we we understand it. But dog, I'm gonna say this again. If you have a chance to get him, you get him. Not every day you're gonna get a top five player that's gonna be available. I mean, you're right, but also you don't want to give up the young core you have of Brown and Tatum, and then Marcus Smart too. You have your defensive anchor, and then you have what's up. Haven't you ever heard the saying "f them picks"? I mean, that's true, but I'm not worried about the picks. I'm worried about the fact that you've now just given up one of your star guards, all star guards, mind you. I would like to throw that in there. He is an all star, and the defensive player of the year for a guy who hasn't played a full season, and I don't know how long. But dog, it's Kevin freaking Durant. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sold dog, on it. Dog, dog, dog. If you were to combine Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, they wouldn't be they they wouldn't touch his knee. They wouldn't touch his shin. They will when he broke his ankle. He didn't break his ankle. That was torn as Achilles. I know, I, man. I know, I know, I know. That was that was a reach on an injury. I, I, I get it. Dog, I understand, but dog, I repeat, it's Kevin Durant. I understand, and I'm not disrespecting Kevin Durant's game at all. He still willed Brooklyn to a game or two. I'm sure more, and I'm just not counting them right and like i said i respect his game i respect him as a player i respect you know what he can do and what he can bring to a team i just i I don't i repeat it's kevin durant let's go you don't let's go you don't cut the lifeboats off the ship that already had or you don't cut the lifeboats off the ship that's two feet away from the harbor unless you know you're about to make it to shore they were close to shore and even the lifeboats couldn't save them they almost made it. That's the thing. Tatum's even come out and said there's nothing wrong it's with the like team. It's like you got to the seaport. The, like, land is there. Land is cold. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the iceberg came out of nowhere. And, and night, it was named night. Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> and then you look towards the light bulbs. Sunken. Look, here's, here's where I'm at. I think we could do it. I, I think we could do it without him. I really do. I think we could do it without him. I think we'll I be don't. fine. Hey, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think he goes to Miami. It's Kevin think, Durant. 
I think Durant's in Miami. I don't think Durant uh, goes to Boston, and I think we I got, see him. I, I, I really got to think about which team in the uh, which team in the East is gonna uh, is willing to give up that much. Apparently, it's down to Toronto and Miami right now. All right, as we'll the see. two big contenders. Yeah, right. no, we'll see. All right, well, let's take into the college football media days. I know you paid honestly, you paid a little more attention to this than I did, so we'll uh, definitely let you take the lead on this one. I mean, the big thing I wanted to touch on was Florida was all about cultural change, which I mean we knew was going to happen. We saw that with the staff that Napier brought in. We saw that with, you know, everything that they're trying to do. It's all about culture. It's all about, you know, changing the image. It's about of drive. What- it's about power. It's about take what's out. Thank you, Tech Nine and Dwayne Johnson. Um, but it's I'm, I'm with you. Like it's you have to show that we are a new team. We're a new, you know, coach. We're a new everything. So I, I think Napier made the right decisions. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of it, but I'll, I'll let you lean into this a little more than I or, uh, and go from there. So what'd you take, man? All right. First off, I'm going to start with our alma mater, Georgia Southern, and the Sunbelt Conference. They had their media day earlier today. had a few quotes on there. Um, so I'm going to start off with the preseason poll. So in the Eastern Division, it had uh, Appalachian State is picked to win in the East Division. Uh, they had 10 first place votes. Second to them is Coastal Carolina, who has a uh, Heisman candidate and like future and future top uh, like top quarterback prospect uh, and in uh, preseason offensive player of the year, Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. Uh, number three is that other Georgia team in the state of, in, in the state of Georgia and like in Atlanta with one first place vote. Don't know how, but, you know, we'll see. Fourth is going to be one of the one of the newcomers that have joined one of the four newcomers that have joined the Sun Belt, and that is Marshall. At number five, you have a George on the real GSU, Georgia Southern University. At number six, you have Madison, you have James Madison, and at number seven, you have Old Dominion. So three of the four newcomers of the of the Sun Belt, Marshall, James Madison, all on the Eastern Division, while Southern Miss. Will be in the West Division of the Sun Belt for football. In the West Division, they have Louisiana being favorite to win the West Division for possibly the fourth straight. Uh, yeah, about the fourth straight year. Actually, I think yeah, three. Okay, three straight years. They with 12 first place vote behind them in South Alabama, who took a big, who had a big year last year. Not just their stadium, but their team. With uh with two first place votes, they fall in second. Number three will be Troy. Number four will be Texas State. And number five again is one of those new one of the four newcomers uh that joined the Sun Belt this past uh, off season with Southern Miss. And number six you got Arkansas State. In that number seven you have Louisiana Monroe. Georgia Southern has only one preseason. Actually, they have two. They actually got four preseason guys, but all of them on the third team with um, uh, Georgia Southern's Justin Ellis, uh, third team all Sun Belt, six year six year guy, uh, Derek Canteen, who is coming off of injury last year, who was first team last year, um, like the year before. So he's back. He's in. He's an all conference guy, but he's on the especially he's on the second team. There is no third team. Um, and two special teams guy, Anthony Beck. He is returning. He is a second team special teamer, punter, along with uh, Amari Jones, Georgia Amari um, Jones, who's an athlete, all purpose guy. So you look at that, and overall, from what we saw in the press conference today with uh, first year head coach Clay Helton, former uh, USC head coach, uh, before Lincoln Riley showed up in Cali. Uh, Clay Helton's going to bring in a new offense. So Georgia Southern fans are have already. Um, expected and have seen what the offense looked like in the spring game is going to be more it's not an air raid but it's going to be more of a passing attack with the balance of running back one of the key quotes that actually caught my attention during uh Sunbelt media day was that coach Helton said Georgia Southern has had a lot of talent at the wide receiver position but they've been in the triple base the triple option base type of uh offensive scheme for the last few years that it's kind of hard to tell. So with this type of offense bringing in, you're going to see a lot of more talented receivers being able to open up. And I think it's good because a lot of people in the Sun Belt has caught on to the triple option, whether it makes it from unique to just predictable now. 
So to be able to bring in a new coach and a two, new type of offense in this era of football is gonna be is gonna be very beneficial. I see Georgia Southern taking a step. Do I see us winning the East East Division? Not gonna go that far because we got a lot to prove. But I do see a lot of upsides. Um, Kyle Van Trees, he showed a lot of flashes in the spring game, which I paid attention to. So uh, Garrett, just go ahead and give me your reaction from the stuff that I just mentioned. I mean, I'm liking it, man. I, I'm. It's going to be interesting to see Georgia Southern go from a triple option or a spread option to more of a pro-style offense. I think it's going to be nice. I think that we do take that next step. I think you're right, and I agree. There's plenty of talent at wide receiver at uh, Georgia Southern, and it has been for a long time. There's one thing we know how to do. It's block. Um, <laughs> the receivers who aren't afraid to block, but they, or block, but they also have really good hands, or a lot of them do. Uh, I don't know if you remember Montel Crockett, but he was also a, a walk-on for the Jaguars for a little bit uh, at one point in time. Unfortunately, he did not make the cut. But, I, yeah, Georgia Southern has solid wide receivers we have for a long time. And now it's going to be nice to see them be properly utilized. Um, what I think will be interesting is to see how people respond and, you know, how we catch people off guard with those first few games and really make that, you know, statement. So, a triple option or a spread option, it's it's a 50-50 call on which way the ball's going. Are we going to the right? Are we going to the left? I mean, that's it. Now with this, you have a little bit more of a, I guess, I don't want to say guessing game, but you have a, a lot more options to run with. So, yeah, I'm with you on the Sunbelt thing. So let's hop into the SEC media day real quick, too. What'd okay. You Your Florida Gators are going to be picked fourth in the East Division. Georgia's right, uh, Georgia, of course, was obvious, going to be picked number one. Um, in the East, it would 172 votes for first place in the preseason media poll. Alabama's picked number one to win not only just the West Division, but the SEC championship going into next season. Um, they had a they had a total of votes for the West Division with 177 and 158 in the media for the SEC championship preseason poll. Alabama had uh, Alabama, if you give me a sec, has Alabama current uh, Alabama has 20 guys that were picked to be on uh, that were picked in the all SEC SEC uh preseason poll. Uh half of those are on the first team led by of course Heisman Heisman winning quarterback Bryce Young, Trent and Georgia Tech transfer Jameer Gibbs, uh tr- Georgia transfer J- uh, Jermaine Burton, uh office alignment Emil Echior and on the defensive side led by this year's uh, like potential Heisman favorite, Will Anderson, Henry Tooto, linebacker, defensive backs, defensive backs, Jordan Battle, and Eli Ricks. But when that's the preseason, that is the preseason polls for the SEC. Now, as far as the media day goes, Nick Saban had a lot of big comment, a lot of big comments going into that. Um, and a lot of things that a lot of people focus on with Nick Saban had like had to be. Uh, going back to his early comments about the NIL and, you know, his sudden attacks, uh, like according to um, towards a lot of people, they were attacks. But his comments about uh, Coach Deion Sanders, Coach Prime with Jackson State and uh, Texas A&M's head coach and Texas A&M and their head coach, Jimbo Fisher. That was a lot of hype going into this year's media day as far as like how he was re- reacting. And Nick Saban, as usual, he's consistent in what he says. He doesn't hold back from what he says, and he doesn't hesitate as far as what he says. He goes back to the uh, like NIL deal. But one of the comments that he mentioned says, like, uh, like he said this at Media Day, and this was uh, covered by Roger Hoover, who was one of the voices of Alabama, Alabama Athletics. He tweeted out that Nick Saban said, I don't dislike NIL. I'm all for the players, and I want our players to do well. They made over $3 million last year in name, image, and likeness. One of the comments that he brought out, a lot of people, and I, I'm i trying to fathom why a lot of people question some of the things that Nick Saban does or why he does it. He's the greatest coach in college football history. He has a method for almost everything he does. The one thing I do not agree with, he went out to Jackson State. And Coach Prime. That was the only mm-hmm. thing I didn't I, that I had a problem with. You leave him out. You want to go out to Texas and I'm like go out to Texas A&M. Go out to anybody in the P in the P five. But outside of that, he always got a method. He mentions this because a lot of people think Alabama is going to be done in recruiting. Alabama is going to take a step back. Alabama, l- long as Daddy Saban is breathing and kicking, <laughs> no. 
They just signed for one also, day. Yeah, we got another five-star today. You thought this was over. No. And next season, we're coming for blood. Oh, yeah. Y'all coming for this season. It'll be interesting so, to see. This season coming up, we're coming for blood, and we're taking care of after that. Because if you think Bryce Young is good, wait until like his backup, Jalen, my name, Jalen Milrow. If you've seen his film, we're taking care of for the next few years. We're good. Y'all gonna be just and not fine. only will Anderson's gonna be scary. You look at the way our defense is set up. Now I give Georgia all the credit in the world for the defense that they had last year. But can I see us like or like over or like overlapping that? Uh, you bet your bottom dollar I do. I think Georgia. I'm not gonna say back offensively and defensively this year. Georgia's going. Georgia's going to handle their business. Um, there is there is something I want you to talk about real quick before I get through. But Alabama is going to be fine. Our offense mm-hmm. is going to be better. I just hope Bill O'Brien don't mess us up. But like that's a different story for another day. <laughs> We're going to be fine. We're coming for blood. Nick Saban is still the goat. He's going to handle his business. We're still going to recruit well. Nothing going to change. So everybody just going to deal with it and just, like just cry yourself to sleep. That's Bill O'Brien can't hit. handle trades. You're going to be fine. But, but long Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien's only going to be in charge of offense. Nothing else. But here's one thing I do want you to get. Kirby Smart said this in media day earlier. Talked about the uh, the rivalry between Georgia and Florida. Mm-hmm. He says it should be a, cam- a campus on uh, like a campus on campus thing, not the neutral site in Jacksonville. What's your take on that? I love it and I hate it because a lot of these great college football rivalries really do take place at a neutral site. Now, granted, there are ones that don't. Pretty sure the Egg Bowl doesn't. I don't know if that's a great one, but the Egg Bowl doesn't, to my understanding. Um, The Iron Bowl, I was getting there. (laughs) I'm not going to leave out the Iron Bowl. Are you kidding me? Iron Bowl didn't take spot at a neutral site. But a lot of the Big 12 and a lot of the Big 10, or at least a lot of the Big 12 ones, do take place at a neutral site. Let me chat on my Elmer foot. Mm-hmm. The wet wibble wobbly. <laughs> I'm not even gonna try to do the R's. I'm sorry. Not oh, you're, do you're good. I no, just had to good. go ahead and give my like insert my inner Elmer foot. <laughs> you're good, man. Here's the way I'm looking at it. It's great for the city of Jacksonville. It is called the world's biggest cocktail party for a reason. Because as somebody who grew up in Jacksonville and grew up going to these games, there are people who take the entire week off of work to just hang out and drink in Jacksonville. It's a great source of revenue for the city. It does great for everything outside of parking and traffic. Um, I think it's a great spot to have in a neutral site game at. And it's a good stadium to be in, too. Um, It's not – it is closer to Gainesville than it is to Athens. But if UGA fans are complaining about that – That don't mean Jack. UGA travels so bro, well. Bro, it's like, <laughs> I'm not a dog fan, and I grew and I'm like I grew up in Georgia. I was deep in dog country. Oh, I know. I know they travel. They travel Georgia well. Southern travels. Georgia folk travel well. Yes, they do. Because we make it through Atlanta and that traffic. We travel. We will travel. They Absolutely. Travel. And dog, I'll never forget. The year the Georgia won the SEC championship against Auburn and we beat them for the national championship, I'll never forget when um, when Georgia took over Notre Dame. I'll oh, yeah. never forget that game. No. And, and here's the thing, and to go back to what, we were, or what you were asking me, while I see the allure of making it a campus-on-campus game, nothing is like going to the Florida-Georgia game. And it is Florida-Georgia. I want to say that real close into the mic just then. It is Florida, Georgia. It ain't Georgia, Florida. You're wrong. It's Florida, Georgia. Dog, dog, dog <laughs> don't, make, don't make me, don't, don't, do not make me defend them dogs. Please don't make me do it. I would don't smoke make me in. do it. I know, I know what the dictionary is. I know F become, uh, comes before G. I understand that. But dog, in the last decade, and the record now, shows Georgia's owned it for the last decade. I'll yes. give them that. I'll give them that. I'm not saying Georgia hasn't done well. I don't remember the career. You know what? We're gonna. I'm gonna look this up real quick. Georgia has historically won this rivalry. Uh, Florida has won 44 times. Georgia has won 53, and there have been two ties. So again, it's been good. It's hit or miss, and it's always a fun game. It's a game where records don't matter. It's so much fun going into one of those games. 
and it's it's just a different atmosphere especially when both i remember one year i was the uh it was the Treon Harris year. Both teams were not looking good. And both teams went in. It was the quietest I've ever seen because nobody wanted to trash talk before the game because neither team was good. <laughs> it's just fun, man. I don't want it to leave the neutral site. And I just, I, it just brings a different atmosphere to it. You don't get that 50-50 split like you do in a bowl game um, if you have an on-campus site. You don't have it split orange and blue on one side, red and black on the other. It's it's just different, man. I, I'm I will always be for having that game at a neutral site. It didn't have to be in Jacksonville all the time. He, he, here's my thing. Site. Here's my thing. I've always been a big fan of the Georgia Florida on Georgia Florida rivalry game. Um, it's always been entertaining, especially being in Jacksonville. I understand it's in the state of Florida, but that's never gonna like location's never gonna stop the dog like them dogs no. traveling. It's not Florida gonna stop man. It, it, it's not gonna stop it. It's still gonna be halfway, and not even that. If they, you're not even gonna get in the fan. If you're not even gonna get in the game, the tailgate is gonna be fun. Hey, go, trying to find a bar in Jacksonville, I, like you know this better than anybody. Trying to find a bar, a bar in Jacksonville during that time is possibly uh, is possibly just as entertaining. I was 15, 15, 16. I don't know how old I was. I was leaving one of the games. Uh, there were people walking out into the street as we were leaving. Uh, somebody lit a couch on fire that year. Man, it gets crazy downtown. I completely understand why they why they would do the campus game. Can I see the electricity around? Of course you can. Of course you can. But to a degree, it's not the same. It it it, it just like no, it'll be entertaining. It just be, just but also here's another thing, and I mentioned this like even on my Facebook page. Number one, good luck trying to convince old head old heads old like traditional like folks and people and like boosters who actually like going to Jackson, like got them sweets and boosted and like boosted like. And get them like club suites. Good luck convincing them to on like not do it, not do it, Jackson. The people who pay for the game. Yep. <laughs> Good luck trying to convince that. Not to mention, didn't they just sign a contract to keep using that place? Good luck convincing all that. As well as this. Kirby, I, I completely understand you earned your right. Congratulations on your 10 year um, 10 year extension and well deserved. But dog. One thing I learned in life, you're not gonna tell a million, you're not gonna tell a millionaire or a billionaire how to spend their money. It's in Jacksonville through 2025. That would be my 10-year that would be my 10-year high school reunion. I will not be attending. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation, man. But all right, let's go and wrap it up for the day. Thank you for tuning in. As always, uh, this was episode 12, and we really do appreciate you tuning in. If you like it, tell your friends. Uh, or let us know on Facebook. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, we do have a Facebook page. It's Two Dudes with Sports News on Facebook. Tell your friends. Share it with your friends. Invite your family. Tell everybody. If you liked it especially. If you didn't like it, this never happened. Um, but if you did, go ahead and give us five stars. We are on literally every podcast platform. Uh, I don't know about everyone, but we are the bulk of every podcast platform. So there is no excuse to not listen to it. Tell everybody. Let them know. Also, follow, also follow me at uh, follow me at the Prince Boy um, fifty two. That is all lowercase, no space. Uh, the Prince Boy fifty two. That is that is a uh, boy spelled with an I. Fifty two. You can hit me up on Twitter too. It's going to be at the G Goldman. All one word, all lowercase. Well, that'll be that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you next time. Peace.